0: Three things I want us to consider this morning from the account of Rahab. Three truths that I want us to meditate on a bit this morning. And the first one is this God's mercy is wider than you can imagine. God's mercy is wider than you can imagine. Too far gone, beyond help, not worth the effort, a waste of our time. These are phrases that describe conclusions that we in our flesh sometimes come to. In our sin, sometimes declare over others. There's no hope. Brothers and sisters, these are phrases that aren't part of the Lord's vocabulary. And the story of Rahab is a story that reminds us of that very truth. As we pick up the story where we left off last week, God has promised His presence. God has called for His people to be strong and to be courageous as they walk in His ways, knowing that He, their God, is with them and will not leave them. But now belief in those words of reassurance, those words of chapter 1, will be tested. Because challenge number one stands before them. The Canaanite city of Jericho sits like a sentinel, blocking the way to the promised land. We'll learn more about Jericho later in our study of this book, but Jericho is a city that is solidly fortified. Has adequate defenses. And it's unclear exactly how God's people, this ragtag bunch, will overtake it. But this is certain. The Lord has said that it is theirs. Way back in Genesis chapter 15, when God promised Abraham that he would give his descendants the land of promise, the Lord also said that it wasn't time yet. For the sin of the Amorites had not yet reached its full measure. You see, while God was dealing with his people, Israel, in the wilderness, in Egypt, God was restraining, God was bearing with the wickedness of those in Canaan. But now, some 400 years later, the time had come and judgment is knocking on the door. Judgment for Jericho. And so Joshua, to begin to fulfill the the promise that God has given His people, Joshua sends spies into the land. Now some have criticized Joshua's move here, saying that right off the bat, Joshua doesn't trust the Lord. Just march into the land. I think those who say such things are wrong. Joshua is simply using wisdom he is being a good leader this is good generaling as he is the general of God's people and so the Israeli spies have entered the city of Jericho they're there to gather information about what they're facing Jericho this securely walled city and as they're fulfilling this reconnaissance mission they stay at a local inn owned by a woman by the name of Rahab Now, this inn was probably a great place to gather intel, and it was good cover. Strange men going into a house of a prostitute such as Rahab, no big deal. Her house, her sidewalk probably had reputation for that kind of traffic. However, it's interesting to note that despite that good strategy of the Israelites, they're detected right away. They're not particularly good spies. Remember, Israel is not some mighty war machine. Well, these spies trapped in Jerusalem, this will indeed be their end. But in a surprising twist, as we just read, this Ammonite woman, part of God's, part of the enemy of God's people, living in this godless place, having herself a godless past and a present stigma, saves them, and in doing so, saves herself. Rahab receives mercy in the face of God's judgment. It's interesting how, as we're reading this story, it's interesting the report that the slaves give at the very end of the chapter, verse 24. What do the spies say to Joshua? They say, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Now think about that phrase. Does that describe, does that tell any intel that Joshua didn't know prior to sending the spies into the land? Prior to sending the spies into Jericho? Not really. Here's a thought to consider. Here's a thought to marvel at. In God's providence, in a mercy that is wider than we can ever imagine, could it be that the spies have been sent into Jericho to save the life of one immoral woman and her family? We don't know what else they told Joshua. We don't know what else... They learn, but the texture seems to say they didn't tell us anything new. You see, this is a display of sovereign mercy in the face of looming, deserved judgment. That's why Rahab's story is so beautiful. Think about it. Just like Israel, just like you and I, God didn't choose Rahab for any particular reason. He simply set his affection upon her. Yahweh didn't need her to accomplish his ends. He didn't need her in order to save the spies. But he includes her in the accomplishment to his ends. And as a result, she really becomes the most unlikeliest of allies. She wasn't a strategic citizen of Jericho. Maybe the only thing she had going for was that she lived in the city wall. And the spies could easily escape through her window. But among her people, likely due to the fact that she was a woman, strike one, the fact of her profession, strike two and three, she wasn't thought of highly, even among her own. Let alone among God's people. No heritage of following Yahweh, just a history of making ends meet by daily immorality. She deserved judgment, just like her neighbors, just like her fellow citizens of Jericho. But God chose to show mercy. She was given eyes to see. She was given faith to believe. And she's a reminder that, brothers and sisters, we are no different just like Rahab, we have no claim to God's favor. Just like Rahab, we live in our own Jericho of sorts among a sea of unbelief and wickedness. And just like Rahab, we are a people of conflicting loves. But thank God that his mercy is wider than we could imagine. Rahab is saved from death. Rahab is welcomed into the family of God, Rahab marries an Israelite and finds herself in the line of the Messiah. God's surprising grace on display. It's amazing, deep and wide, and it's a reminder that no one is out of God's reach. That no one is beyond God's grace. But you don't know what I've done, Pastor Nate. It doesn't matter. I don't know what you've done, but I know who this God is. Ephesians 3.20, that great declaration from Paul, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or even think to him the glory. Indeed, that's what happened. That's what's happening here. God's mercy is wider than we can imagine. And that brings us to the second truth I want to look at for just a few minutes. And it's this belief in God's word brings about salvation. I think that's another thing that we see in this story. Belief in God's word brings about salvation. I love this reality the more I thought about it, the more I, I, I meditated upon it. Before Rahab and the spies cross paths, before God's people even set their foot, their toes in the Jordan River, God has already infiltrated that city. God is already there. Right? Rahab is an, she's an inn owner. She makes her business spending time with the traveling merchants who come through town and she had heard the stories. Maybe they sounded like legends to some, quickly dismissed to residents of the city, but to her, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, when she heard God's word, She discerned it as truth. The mountain that came alive with random storm and stirrings. The sea that stood up like a wall so people could walk through. The pillar of fire that led this people through the wilderness and that burned in the night sky. And Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, who both tried to stop this people and were slaughtered. She had heard about it. God had acted, she had heard, and she believed. And this was the foundation of of all that would go down between her and the spies and the salvation of her family. See, God is already at work. By His Spirit, by His Word, He is softening the emotional defenses of this hardened city. There's terror already bubbling in their hearts. And he's bringing light to one of its seediest residents. Rahab's hard past was no match for the power of God's word, which has already moved into that city. As we think about that, Reality as we think about that truth in our lives. Oh. Recount His deeds among you that others might hear and know the God who does mighty things. I think sometimes even when we speak to people, we, we slip into their worldview, so to speak. Rather than speaking in the story that God is writing, And I know this because I I feel the temptation sometimes in my own life when I'm talking with my neighbor, my neighbor who lives in unbelief, and I'm telling them my story, and I'm talking about how I I moved from from New Jersey to to Georgia, and then how in the world did you get to California, and then how in the world did you get from California to, to Washington, and sure, I can tell that story in, 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 in terms of choosing an educational institution that met my needs. I can, I can talk about it in terms of job transfers and job opportunities. Or I can recount the deeds of my God in wanting to study His Word more. And having the door flung wide open to pick up my family from Georgia and move to California, a place, frankly, that we never wanted to move to. And yet the Lord made it clear that this was his doing. Recount the deeds, his deeds among you. And let God's word infiltrate God is still doing this kind of work. One quote I found that I liked uh, reading this week was: "Was this God is? He is rescuing Rahab's and their families. He is pulling down Satan's strongholds. He is calling whoever will come and take shelter under the provision of the sacrificial death of His Son upon the cross. Belief in God's word." Ultimately, belief in God's Son, the Word made flesh, brings about salvation. That's the second thing I want us to consider and meditate and be challenged by. And the last is is this, and this has to do with Rahab. This is more in line with where we were a few years ago when we looked at her first, that Rahab is here explicitly very clearly as a result of the New Testament alluding to her because of her faith. Because she had a, true, a faith that risked it all. And that's the last point. True faith risks it all. Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here in this hall of fame Alongside Abraham and Sarah and Moses, here in this hall of fame in Hebrews 11 sits Rahab because she showed a faith that risked it all. When these men showed up at her door, she had a choice to make. There was no neutrality. It was either choose Israel or choose Jericho. And she made her choice. And her decision was a matter of life and death. She sided with the enemy. And if she was caught, it would have been the end of her. And how did, we, how did she do so? Well, we talked about this a few years back as well. She lied. She lied. Multiple times she lied. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord? Should Rahab have simply trusted the providence of God? Well, I heard something helpful, I think, that I, I didn't talk about last time we were here. It's a helpful perspective on thinking about deceit, on thinking about falsehood. It, I heard this definition that we as followers of Jesus, we as those who want to walk in integrity reflecting the God of truth, reflecting our Lord who, who never bore false witness, who never lied, who never sinned. That we as a people are prohibited to bear false witness before someone who has the right to know the truth. Let me repeat that. We are prohibited to bear false witness before someone who has the right to know the truth. So what's the other side of that coin? Well, the other side of that coin is the Egyptians in Exodus 1 who wanted to slaughter the children. And the Hebrew midwives lied to Pharaoh excuse me, the Egyptian midwives lied to Pharaoh in order to save the lives of Hebrew children. They forfeited their right to know the truth by their desire to kill. Does the home invader who comes into your house and wants to know if there's anyone in the house and Your husband's upstairs getting the gun out of the safe or whatever, getting the baseball bat from under the bed. Does he have the right to know? Get ready, my husband's coming down the stairs in just a minute. No, that individual has forfeited the right to know the truth. It's a very difficult situation. It's not the point of the passage. It's a side note. It's a side tangent of the passage. But Rahab, I believe, didn't sin in protecting God's people. She stood for the truth of who they were, the God of truth. And she acted. She acted upon her belief and she rests in the mercy of God. Once these men leave, there's nothing left for her to do. Tie the scarlet cord in the window and then wait No preparations need to be made. No fortifications need to be put up at her door. Simply wait for the salvation of the Lord. And in the same way, her life mirrors our life. God's acted in history. Jesus calls us to a faith that that risks it all, that puts, puts everything in. We're all in, Jesus. And then a faith that rests and waits for salvation. We've been studying the book of James. I've been studying the book of James with the boys in discipleship hour. James chapter 2 verses 25 says, Was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Rahab wasn't saved by the smuggling of the spies. She was saved by her faith. But the smuggling of the spies was the work that revealed that that faith was genuine. Have we taken what we believed and staked our very lives on it? Faith in Jesus is not just an emotional response we need. Faith in Jesus changes all that we are, all that we have, all that we could be. While the people of Jericho trusted in their walls, while the people of Jericho trusted in their army and their accomplishments and their military might, Rahab sits in her room and trusts in a promise. She trusts in a God that she's never seen, but a God that she's only heard of but a God whose mercy she knows can reach even her. What a great picture of the gospel this morning. It's what we're called to as well. Trust and rest in the mercy of God through Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your servant, Rahab, an unlikely choice to save an unlikely choice to be saved. Father, may we reflect the kind of mercy, the kind of wide, generous mercy that we see here. And may we ourselves be those who walk in risky faith, trusting that Your Word is true, that your word is living, that your word is powerful and effective, that the word became flesh for us, that we might know life. Oh, Father, this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.